want merchandise from the DCTV Podcast Tee Public Store? Record yourself reading the DCTV plugs for Supergirl Radio and you'll automatically be entered into a contest to win an item of your choosing. Here's how you can do it. Record yourself reading our DCTV plugs and email it to supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you don't have a way to record yourself with a microphone or an audio recorder, you can just call us at 678-718-7252 and leave us a voicemail. The entries will be judged on creativity and substance. Make sure your interpretation of the plugs is unique and make sure you include all of the podcasts listed on dctvpodcast.com. If you're chosen as the winner, not only will you be able to select something from the Tee Public Store, you'll also be included as a regular fixture on Supergirl Radio. So, get to training, do your breathing exercises, and get to plugging those podcasts. Hi, I'm Jesse Rath, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Lennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season four episode of a Supergirl titled Bunker Hill. And since we don't have any news this week, uh, let's get straight to talking about the episode. So here is the official description of Bunker Hill. Quote, Nia has a powerful dream about Agent Liberty, but refuses to look at it as a prophetic dream and pushes it aside. After noticing something is bothering Nia, Kara enlists Brainy's help, and the two try to persuade Nia to embrace her destiny. Meanwhile, Manchester Black pays Ben Lockwood a menacing visit, unquote. Yes, so there was a lot going on in this episode, and especially that big showdown between Ben Lockwood and Manchester Black, uh, two uh, villains, I guess we could say, at least uh, one is definitely the big bad of the season, and then one is maybe becoming more of a villain in the series. So Morgan, what did you think about uh, Manchester Black going over to the Lockwood family home? Yeah, I was on the edge of my seat during all of those scenes, especially in the early scenes where he's just like, I'm just here for a cuppa. And I was like, oh, you're so British. You can't do anything bad. I've been watching a lot of Great British Bake Off, and I just feel like everybody is just like has like a a warm pastry inside of them. Uh, (laughs) You have the accent, and I just assume that you're going to make me a scone. Um, It's not right, but it's what I I hope for, for the best. But so, uh, but I, I think that the way 
way that they did it with the tension, like slowly building where like it starts out and you're like, I'm not sure what he's, what he's doing here. Like what's his aim. And then it starts to get like more and more menacing. You can tell that Ben Lockwood thinks like, maybe I can get him out of here without him like blowing up my spot with my wife. Uh, and as it goes along, you can tell that is going to become less and less possible. I thought it was really well done. I was, I was really, really compelled by that whole storyline. And I think that although the Agent Liberty stuff hasn't been my favorite stuff this season, uh, Sam Witwer is so good. And um, the actor who plays Manchester Black, whose name I am sadly blanking on. David Ahala. David Ahala. They're both so fantastic. So having them in scenes together as, is just so compelling to watch. Like I could just watch them like basically chew any kind of scenery that they want. <laughs> I would I would be down for it. I'd be in for it. Uh, so I thought it was a I thought it was a really uh, a really interesting and like really compelling storyline because these two characters have really been on a collision course since the beginning of the season. Really, if you think about the Fiona storyline as being the beginning of Manchester Black storyline, really on the show, so it was it's sort of the accumulation of that that those two story threads coming together. Yeah, and what I think is so fascinating about their uh, dynamic, especially in this episode, is that there are two humans. The whole season has been aliens versus humans, uh, humans versus aliens, but this is two humans uh, that are having problems with each other, and Manchester Black wanting to harm Ben and his family, and uh, Ben has actually taken part of Manchester's fa- uh, Manchester's family away, so there's a lot of conflict there just between two humans, and so for a season where it's been a, a largely about the aliens and the alien impact on National City and Earth 38, it's, uh, this is a very intimate uh, portrayal of t- two humans having a conflict with each other, and I agree, the tension in this whole episode was very well done because you, when he does first show up, you think, oh, maybe he'll get rid of him. Uh, but he does uh, try to stay and stick around and it gets worse and worse and worse um, in terms of, you know, uh, Manchester outing uh, Ben as Agent Liberty to his wife and then threatening to kill his wife. And then they take it to the <laughs> the uh, Lockwood family uh, steel factory, and that gets worse. Man, that steel factory has seen some has seen some stuff <laughs> this season. <laughs> There's a lot going on in that place. <laughs> Meet me at the steel factory is, is something that has been said like every episode. <laughs> well, it is a uh, bad guy lair. Bain, uh, Brainy did recognize it as the perfect uh, bad guy lair. So yeah, it did it did get worse as it went along and I I do agree that the two actors just they were so into the scene and I believed everything that they were doing I think David Ahala has been a real standout this season and he uh, I could feel his anger in this and the other emotion that I thought was really palpable at least to me was how scared Ben Lockwood was I was surprised by how he was really freaked out and he was a little bit of a coward I thought I was surprised by how much he um, cowered in Manchester Black's presence. Yeah. He didn't know what to do with him, you know, physically or, um, you know, uh, trying to deal with him on another level. I, I was very surprised by that. There was actually like this small moment that really stood out to me in the that whole interaction where Manchester has made um, 
Ben Locke would like go down to his like his villain lair in like the basement or the storage shed or whatever, where he's got his uh, evil costume obviously hung up as you would at any evil <laughs> costume. And uh, his wife is like so shocked. She's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that you're really, you know, Agent Liberty. And Ben Lockwood looks at the costume and he smirks. It's like, even though this is clearly causing his wife some distress and this is not something that he like wanted her to know about, there's like, he still is so proud of this Agent Liberty persona that he like can't even hold it in when he's looking at the costume. I thought that was like such a good, like very tiny, subtle, like villain guy moment. Yeah, that's a good acting choice. And I think that goes back to the fact that Ben Lockwood is a little bit of a coward and maybe he's uh, fearful and not able to take care of his family as as much as he would like. But Agent Liberty, he can do those things. Agent Liberty can be menacing and Agent Liberty can put fear into the hearts of aliens. Uh, I don't know exactly how the alien physiology and biology works. Uh, I assume they have hearts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how their bodies work. Uh, I'm just going to assume that they need a heart. But uh, he can he can really make people fear him in in that suit, and so maybe that's part of it is that he when he sees that suit, he sees maybe a more powerful version of himself versus the the man who who doesn't uh, know know exactly how to protect his wife, and he gets really scared when this guy comes in threatening them. So yeah, I think that that says a lot about Ben's character. Yeah, and the other thing that I was in that storyline that I kept on going like, what is happening is when, um, John kept barging in during this very (laughs) (laughs) heated, John, I don't want to talk to you right now. Uh, just kind of popping into Manchester's mind, like trying to be like the angel on his shoulder. Obviously Manchester doesn't really care so much about that anymore. Uh, but I thought that that was a, like a nice element to the episode. It gave, it gave John something to do this week. And we, we see his, um, you know, sort of mind telepathic powers, like not always all the time. <laughs> so I always like it when they uh, when they can work them into the story in a way that is organic and in a way that I don't go to myself. Oh, that's right. He's a telepath. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like they've been doing that a lot more this season. Uh, and I've been super impressed with it because in some of the previous seasons, I would I would just straight up forget that he had those powers until like the one episode when they needed them. And I would think to myself like, man. They really should have been using this all along. <laughs> I think that's the advantage of having Jean outside of the DEO, because in the DEO, he would be hopping in a, a, a van to go to the crime scene or whatever and using a gun or uh, doing something with the DEO in terms of their arsenal and those physical uh, weaponry that they have. Of course, because of Jean, they didn't really have guns anymore i don't know what they use now (laughs) um but uh but i think the advantage of having him outside of the deo is that he can use more of his martian manhunter powers instead of uh relying on his deo uh government side of him that uh, operated in those um in those situations so i do i do like that a lot and i think they did it to a great effect in this episode, especially the way it looked. I thought it looked really cool. And I, for me, I, I wasn't confused about what was happening. I, I got I got it just through the visuals that he was communicating to, to Manchester in that way. And I, I do like the way that Jean has been 
uh, trying to continually help him, even though Manchester has been doing these horrible things. I think Jean sees something in him that can be good. And I, I loved his, um, uh, his uh, line where he says, I thought there was some light left in Manchester. So I think he, I think he th- thinks that maybe there could be something there, even though uh, he finishes that dialogue saying, but when I looked into his mind, there was nothing left. Um, so I, I think he has this continual hope that Manchester can be better than he is. And the scene that I really loved between the two of them in this episode is at the very end when Manchester has been arrested and taken to jail, which I think is fitting for both of those characters, Manchester Black and Agent Liberty. They both went to prison. Uh, I think they both should have gone. So justice seems to be served at this point. Uh, but I did like the scene where Jean... Uh, comes into his jail jail cell. It's a very hard thing to say because I <laughs> want to say jail cell um, uh, with my southern uh, dialect. But um, his his prison cell and uh, Manchester says, "You think my soul's still up for grabs, old man?" And John says, uh, "Yes, I do, and I think you do too." So I thought that that was a really um, emotional thing to put in between the two of them. There is there is still something there in Manchester that Jean still hopes to bring out. And there's a little bit of Manchester, I think, that realizes that he's doing the wrong thing and that he can be better. So I have really enjoyed their dynamic this season. Me too. Well, and this episode was also uh, a very big uh, story for the character of Nia Nall. She has been falling asleep at work and uh, drinking a lot of coffee. And uh, (laughs) so now this week, we actually get to see how her powers manifest and uh, what she knows about them and how she can potentially uh, harness them and train herself to use them. So what did you think about uh, getting to see Nia use her powers and see her learn more about how to use them? I really liked the Nia stuff in this episode. I thought it was really fun. I think this is the first time that we've learned that Nia is an alien, uh, which I was kind of surprised about, although I feel like Probably I should have known that from, like, character spotlights. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, my short-term memory, my long, my all-around memory is not what it used to be. To be fair to you and to me, because I partially was like, oh, yeah, that's right. She's from the planet Nautor. Um, But they, uh, to be fair, I, I think when I was going into this, I didn't know exactly how they were going to, like, what take, what interpretation, what adaptation would they do with her? Would they change a little bit of her backstory? I didn't know. Uh, But it was nice to see here that they did reference she is from Naltor. uh, She is an alien. So, um, yeah, if you were confused about it, they they made that clear in this episode. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they have changed uh, characters' backstories, obviously. Uh, snapper never snapped. Mm-hmm. And did I see a single robot hand? No, I did not. Nope, it did not. So it never maybe, maybe I just need to learn to trust again. Is what the <laughs> problem is. <laughs> uh, but I really like the way that they explained her her background, her story, and uh, about how the women in her family have sort of these prophetic. Oh my god, I'm not going to be able to say that word correctly. <laughs> prophetic. Prophetic. It is a hard word to say. Dreams. (laughs) Dreams I got. Um, And how it's something that sort of runs through her family. Um, I thought that that was really interesting. And it sort of explains why she's been so sketchy about, like, 
going to see any kind of doctor about it because really she it wasn't that she didn't know what was going on she did know what was going on um and she just didn't feel comfortable sharing it uh i really yeah i really liked all the um the nia stuff in this episode and learning more about her powers and i liked um i liked that brainy was involved in the storyline uh and it had one of my favorite moments which is when brainy was trying to be super cool and just slid right off the counter (laughs) (laughs) hey girl hey (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a, a great bit of physical comedy there from jesse rath um which i always appreciate um, yeah, I really liked the Nia stuff in this episode too. I I thought it was nice that in this in this week's episode they gave her a little bit of a an arc. Just in this episode, she goes from not wanting to sleep and she's actually actively trying to avoid it. Uh, and she's she's uh, trying. You know, she her she tells her roommate not to let her sleep, and she's getting coffee at work, like a lot of coffee at work to stay awake. So she's she's actively trying not to go to sleep. And um, so o- over the course of the episode, she learns about her powers. She gets a little more confident. And by the end of the episode, I thought it was a nice touch that we see Nia hop in her bed, and she looks like she's. Uh, excited to go to sleep um i can i can relate to that because every every night when i get in my bed i'm like oh finally i can i can sleep i'm very excited about this this is what i've been waiting for all day (laughs) so i really related uh to nia in that moment but i thought i thought that was nice they took her from she's trying not to sleep as much as possible and then uh over the course of the episode she she gets to where she feels like she can take control of her fear and then um she overcomes it uh, by the end so i really liked that and i thought the way that they portrayed the dreams was something that i i was not expecting it um i kind of figured they would you know show like little visions or you know clips of things that she might see but i was not uh anticipating how vivid those dreams would be for her like the the moment when they're in the catco elevator and the doors open and she thinks she sees agent liberty uh, coming into the elevator that made it seem more 3d to me that she was uh or is it 40 no i I guess she couldn't i don't guess she well she can kind of touch the the people in the visions a little bit but um but that moment with agent liberty it almost made it seem like it was really happening, and that's why it scares her so much. So the fact that they were uh, almost real and so uh, vivid to her, I can see why that would freak her out. Yeah, I could see why she would be like uh, chugging coffee and trying not to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way the way they showed the dreams like that, it was much scarier to me. So I thought that that was really really well done. And and what did you think about Kara's interaction with Nia? Because they, they form a little team. Nia, Kara, and Brainy go to Collinwood to investigate the Agent Liberty part of the dream. Um, and Kara seems to, you know, have taken control of wanting to help her. So what did you think about Kara's, uh, Kara figuring out what's what's going on with Nia? Yeah, I really liked the um, the scenes between Kara and Nia. I thought that they were really well done and I, I really like their interactions with each other. I think we're starting to see the sort of mentor car that we've been promised. It's been hard previously because she doesn't show up for work all that often, <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, Oh, an excuse to not go to work. Cool. I'm in. <laughs> I will mentor you 
exclusively outside of the building. That's true. She didn't. They Well, they went to Catco at one point in the episode, but then they like took a little road trip and went somewhere else. Yeah, it's like she discovered it at Catco and she was like, perfect. This is the perfect <laughs> excuse to not be at work today. <laughs> She's like, James, listen, this is really, it's really important that I take Nia out of the building <laughs> and do some air quotes investigative reporting. Uh, <laughs> I thought that that was really funny. I mean, anytime that Kara shows up for work for one minute and then leaves for the rest of the day is like, um, if you were ever doing a drinking game, you would like die of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> this happens so often. Uh, but I did like that, that moment where she's sort of trying to um, get the basically get kidnapped and uh, and Nia sees what's happening is like no I'll save you yeah I thought that was great from Nia that she was heroic enough to want to save Kara because she has no idea that Kara is Supergirl which I I, th- I find a little suspect I know we have to just kind of go with it on this show, uh, but the fact that Kara and Nia were in Collinwood together and then Supergirl shows up, I just, ugh, I, it's it's so hard to deal with. I know, and she's like, what happened to Kara? And, and Supergirl's like, eh, she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to buy into sometimes, um, but the, the kidnapping, I think, I think the kidnapping was a great idea. I think that was a solid idea by Kara. And Kara knew she could risk her own life to do that. She wanted it to just be her. But Nia got in the way because she wanted to be a hero. Um, but I did think it was really dumb of Kara what she says. She's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find my dad. And uh, his, um, uh, his, his, na- his name is Liberty. And like she just, oh, I was so, I had secondhand embarrassment over that scene where she was trying to, because I think she thought Agent was his first name and Liberty was his last name. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's a maybe that's a, a logical thing to get to. Maybe that's something anybody would think that maybe Liberty was his last name because in her world at the DEO, there are agents like Agent Docs or Agent Danvers. So maybe she did think Liberty was his last name. But I was just like, oh, that sounds so stupid when you say it. Um, so they they did get kidnapped. Um, and so the, that was successful. And I, uh, what did you think about um, the the fight sequence where Nia got to use her powers to, to break free and, and Brainy used his Legion ring and, and they all helped save the day together? Yeah, the, the fight sequence with them was really, really cool. Um, but I think my favorite part of it was definitely when Nia, like, moved up the handcuffs and broke it with the bullet. That was so, so neat. I think it sort of points to an expansion of her powers, not just being dream-based, which I kind of, I was kind of wondering about because it just seemed like a character who dreams the future, it's not super cinematic uh, all the time, and it's not super helpful like in a fight in the present it's like, Nia, take a nap right now. We need to know what's happening. See, for me, that would be my my dream, uh, pun intended, scenario <laughs> for a superpower. Yeah, superhero power. They're like, Rebecca, you just have to take a nap right now. <laughs> I could do that. I feel like that is something I could do to save humanity. I, <laughs> I would feel comfortable with that. She naps for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, but I agree that in a show like this, you're going to need her to fight sometimes. And so that is cool that she used her, 
her uh, visions to foresee what was about to happen, and she used that to her advantage to uh, to fight and defend herself. So that, that I did think that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed Brainy uh, doing that cool move with his Legion ring. It took me a couple of rewatches to figure out exactly what he was doing. So what he does is he puts his Legion ring on the other person. I think it's a it's a female child of liberty. He puts the ring on her hand on her finger which causes her to fly because the Legion ring can make you fly. And she flies up and hits, I guess, the ceiling of the building and comes back down. That was a really smart thing of him to do. He's not, he's, uh, he's not maybe uh, a power, you know, brawler like Supergirl is, but he does use his smart. They've done a really good job with Brainy and how he fights because it's, it's more about him using his intellect than it is him punching somebody or kicking somebody. He's figuring out the smartest way to defeat someone without having to really exert a lot of energy. <laughs> so I like that. I think that's a, a, a cool thing to do with someone who's so uh, as, as smart as he is. Yeah, I thought that was really cool too. And like such an interesting way for him to use <laughs> the the ring. Yeah, it was super clever. So um, congrats to the writers for surprising me. I did not see that coming. Um, so there is a big moment at the end of the episode, uh, that is kind of the big twist of the episode, uh, Agent Liberty and, uh, Manchester Black go to prison, the day is saved, Lydia Lockwood is, uh, is not murdered, um, everyone seems to be okay, but when they get back to the DEO, there is a, a visit from President Baker, and he has some words with, well, not Kara at that point, with Supergirl. So what did you think about the um, conversation about him wanting her to disclose her secret identity? Ooh, I thought that was... So there was a moment in that that scene where I just kind of laughed because uh, the president tells her, you know, well, don't you know, I mean, it's she says that it would be dangerous for all of her friends and family for her to disclose her identity because obviously people could then come after her loved ones. And um, the president is like, don't you think I'm concerned about my loved ones? They're in with, with the Secret Service right now. And like they're they're in danger, too. And I thought to myself, are you offering her friends and family Secret Service pr- protection? Because <laughs> otherwise it's not the same. You get that right. <laughs> Like people follow your your family around just to protect them. You're asking Supergirl to basically be like up like a president would be, only without any kind of protection for her people whatsoever. Yeah, that is actually something I didn't think about because I did see the connection that he was trying to make of him putting himself in Supergirl's shoes. That, you know, he needed to protect them just as much as she would need to protect her people. But you're right. If Supergirl gave up her secret identity, what does she have to protect? Yeah, like they like that. There's literally a, a it's a secret service. It's a whole organization that that just focuses on protecting, you know, the president and people in government and stuff like that. Uh, I didn't I didn't hear him offering her her friends and family any any protection. Maybe Colonel Haley can offer some DEO agents uh, to stay with. Uh, 
all of Kara's family who are basically <laughs> also DEO agents. Uh, also DEO agents, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you count Jean as Space Dad and uh, Alex, uh, they, they are um, uh, well-equipped to take care of themselves. So I guess there is that. And even Kara's family, like her uh, biological blood-related family, like Clark, He'd be able to take care of himself. Yeah, Clark would be pretty cool. He'd be he, he'd be chill. Um, but I mean, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I was gonna say they 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 do. I would assume people already know that Superman and Supergirl are related, but they don't know that like Superman is Clark Kent. So, um, but it's it's one of those things. It's like the age old question about the secret identity and like how useful is it and how much good does it actually do? And uh, I thought that that was, it was an interesting that they were getting into that and they were asking her to unmask herself essentially and, uh, and reveal her secret identity. And we've seen that with James um, this season with the guardian thing, which didn't seem to have uh, much of an impact on his day to day life. Not a huge fallout. I feel like if this was sort of, part of what they were working to this idea that Carl was going to have to choose between revealing her secret identity or, you know, not, I don't know, uh, not working for the U S government anymore. Uh, we could have seen more of like the downsides of James revealing himself as guardian, maybe like some people who are mad at guardian come after Lena or like one of his like family members or something. All we saw is James like being a little concerned. He was going to go to jail for like one day <laughs> and then mostly forgetting about it. <laughs> you know, that's a good point because they could have used the James situation to help inform Kara's character about what that would be like if that happened to her. Because she used the the old the old excuse of oh if I did that my my friends and family would be in danger. But then also Kara has her own life outside of Supergirl. You you could think about it that way that she needs Kara Danvers in order to have a life outside of just being Supergirl twenty four seven. So there there are a lot of things to consider with the secret identity there, and so I do think that is a missed opportunity that they didn't use the James secret identity to uh, maybe parallel or give more information for Kara's character to consider that. Maybe she would be more hesitant because she saw the consequences of it with James. I could see why that would make her more hesitant to do it uh, or to not do it, um, really. And I do think, and maybe this is me being speculative, but I I find it intriguing and a little tinfoil hatty that that this whole secret identity thing is happening this season while they're also uh, simultaneously possibly making Lena Luther a villain, maybe getting her to the villain status. Mm. So uh, that that those those two storylines might intersect at some point. Uh, so I do find that that's a uh, curious timing. That is true. I didn't I didn't actually consider that that finding out that Kara is actually Supergirl might not be great for Lena <laughs> because then I feel like then it's going to be just be like a domino effect because then she's going to realize that like James knew all along and he's basically also been lying to her and like listen I never like really consider their relationship as like a thing but like that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean for me I don't care but for her that's gonna suck and especially after he gave her so much grief about lying to him about not telling oh him about the God, DA. I know. yeah 
It's it's not it's not gonna end well. As always, hashtag Team Lena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I do I do think this is a, a really this this was something I did not I, I think this episode really shocked me in a lot of ways um, and this was one of them because I didn't see them throwing this wrench in Supergirl's relationship with the DEO because that's been something very st- steady and continuous for this whole series that she has been there working I mean it's in the intro that she works with her adoptive sister at the DEO <laughs> so they might have to cut that out in the next episode <laughs> uh, so I I there are a lot of questions, though, that come up. Like, do other people at the DEO know her secret identity? Because we have uh, questioned that before. Um, and and there are questions that arise about, you know, her her employment at the DEO. So there's, there's a lot of questions that I have that come out of this story. But I'm curious as, as to what this does for the character of Kara. But this may force her, Morgan, to go to work. At Kaku. I know. This might actually be great for Kara. Could you imagine if, like, she starts actually showing up to work every day and all of her coworkers are like, who is that blonde girl that keeps being here? <laughs> I thought she quit, like, a year ago to go on a year-long investigative report. <laughs> we had that big party for her. You remember that? We had cake. We had that party. It was so fun. We had cake. She came back with... Did, uh, did she even come back with the story? Was it about a gazebo? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this could be great for Kara. It could uh, lower her stress levels. She's not going to have to be pulling, uh, d- you know, two jobs at the same time. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's going to help her sleep a little better. Maybe it'll free up some some time for her. Maybe she can watch more classic films. Yeah, she could she could uh, she could get in some film discussions with Brainy. <laughs> yeah, they could they could discuss auteur theory um, <laughs> and and watch Edward movies. I think that would be great for th- this. This whole leaving the DEO thing, I think this is a really positive step for Kara. She might not think so because she doesn't get to work with her sister all the time. But I, I don't know. Lean into it, Cara. Just see how it goes. This might be a good uh, life change for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that is a, an interesting development that has happened in this week's episode. So, uh, Morgan, what are your overall thoughts about um, Bunker Hill? Because this was a pretty big episode. It was like, I guess, the mid-season finale for Supergirl season four. So it's a huge episode. So what did you think? Yeah, I really liked this one. I, I liked the way the storylines came together. I liked that we got more of um, Nia and we learned about her powers. And I think it left us off on a pretty good cliffhanger. Like, I'm, I'm not sure what car is going to be up to when we get back from the uh, from the break but uh, it might be blobbing <laughs> it might be uh it might be some like crocheting maybe she's mm. taken up uh maybe she's taken up some hobbies maybe she's golfing now i don't know it could be anything. I think there's an easel. I think we've talked about how on the podcast before that she, maybe she's a painter. Yeah. She might she might get back into painting. I think she maybe she's doing some paint and sips with Alex. Like, <laughs> I don't it sounds nice and uh, maybe we'll get to see what a uh, fun employment uh <laughs> Supergirl looks like. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, let's let's get into that cuz I think that would be I mean, I just I just see this. Like everything that we're talking about, it just seems less stress it just seems like her life is really stressful she's she has to fight monsters and dragons and <laughs> all sorts of uh, uh villainous people so now she can just chill she can just do some painting 
uh, you know, she can go to work, but, you know, just the normal hours of work, not the, the ones where she's there late at night <laughs> with James for some reason. So this, this I think, is going to be a good change for her. Uh, for me, I really, really like this episode. Um, I thought the title was interesting. I've, I've been really uh, digging their titles lately for these episodes because sometimes the titles are kind of boring. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes they're like, oh, okay. But this one, it was uh, referencing Bunker Hill, which, of course, is uh, a Revolutionary War battle when the British defeated the Americans. And even though the Americans lost... Uh, they did enough damage to the British uh, army and it gave them a little confidence boost in the war. And so it made me think about this episode in the context of what was going on in this episode because I was, I, I got to thinking and I got a little curious because I was like, hmm, so who is, what group are in, in this context, in the Supergirl context, text, who is... Uh, who's representing the Americans and who's representing the British in this Bunker Hill? Um, because I think you could uh, automatically assume that, oh, well, the Americans are obviously the DEO and the, the British are, are Agent Liberty and the Children of Liberty. But I don't know. Mm. You could flip it. You could. Because by the end of the episode, we see that Lydia Lockwood is in full support of her husband, even though she knows that he's Agent Liberty. They have a little crowd of people who are in support of Agent Liberty. So this this arrest for him, it might make his people more vocal. We see that there's a lot of protests. They're protesting CatCo, which honestly, I think it's a little bit about time. <laughs> Cat, CatCo has needed to up their game. So maybe this will make them a little more honest. But uh, so there may be more support that's growing for the Children of Liberty uh, because Agent Liberty has a little, you know, I know he was fearful that they would make Supergirl a martyr, but maybe the DEO has made Agent Liberty a martyr. I don't know. I couldn't decide which which one of the, the two scenarios was correct about the Bunker Hill situation. Hmm. I don't know. That is that is a tough one. I, I liked the... Uh... I, I thought that the title was interesting for that aspect. I was like, I don't I don't know who's supposed to be who. Yeah, I don't know. I, so I guess we'll have to see who who now um, is is gathering more uh, support and more confidence in this war and who will uh, eventually uh, fall. And I did like the connection uh, to Bunker Hill to Ben Lockwood and his his relative with the bayonet. Um, that kind of stuff I like because there's some American history in there and I'm I'm a big fan of American history. So that, that stuff is uh, a lot of fun. And there were a lot of classic film references. We got Spartacus and North by Northwest, which is actually such a great movie. If you've never seen North by Northwest, you need to watch it just for Cary Grant alone. He has, that's one of his greatest performances. And it's got a classic scene in there that if you love film, you have to watch it. Um, so I, I enjoyed the heck out of that, that Brainy and Kara are now connecting on classic film. That makes me extremely <laughs> happy. I knew that you were, were going to enjoy that. Well, that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about Bunker Hill. At Electra WWF said, if Supergirl is fired from the DEO, can Brainy and Alex leave too? Kara, <laughs> Brainy, Alex, and Nia being their own little super vigilante team with Jean doing his detective thing would be fun to explore. James can be their PR guy. Super team versus the DEO with Director Bones for season five. 
Um, listen, if you are giving me director bones, you are giving me everything I've wanted from the show. <laughs> I don't care. I don't even care about the rest of it. I don't, I mean, it sounds great, but also director bones. <laughs> I am in full support of this suggestion. <laughs> uh, at Patty Mello 20 said, I really love Nia. She's amazing. And a constant reminder of how great season one Kara was. I can't believe we will still have to deal with agent Liberty next year. I'm so tired of this storyline. I just want red daughter to come already. Where was Lena? I missed her so much. Uh, same. <laughs> <laughs> At Corey A. Lena, maybe? I think Love so. Lena? Uh, said, love the Pyrrhic victory of the British at Bunker Hill as a metaphor for the victory of Manchester Supergirl. It's a cool tie-in and a really revealing title. In this case, they've effectively made Lockwood an extremist martyr and made his support more vocal, visible. At Madtown Davidson said, loved all the Nia and Brainy stuff. I find it odd that Manchester Black has been so much more proactive and effective in tracking down the Children of Liberty <laughs> than Supergirl and the DEO. How did he know that Lockwood was Agent Liberty? Also, Kara's identity hasn't exactly been a big secret at the DEO. Do they really not know? Um, that scene did make me laugh quite a bit when uh, the president is like saying, oh, you need to reveal your um, secret identity. And it pans over to just like... 10 DEO agents who were just like staring at the ceiling and whistling innocently. <laughs> oh, no one here knows her identity. No one at all. Uh, I thought that was really funny. Yeah. And the uh, question about how did he, uh, how did Manchester know that Lockwood uh, was Agent Liberty? I had the same question during my live tweeting. And uh, then I was reminded that, um, uh, Eric Carrasco was also live tweeting and he mentioned that in the previous episode, rather the fallen angel, uh, Manchester black goes to the children of Liberty and he encounters that fake agent Liberty who is just sort of appearing as agent Liberty to him. He, um, he asks, uh, Manchester asks him who agent Liberty is, but we never see him tell Manchester that, Oh, Ben Lockwood is agent Liberty. But he said he says something like, "If I tell you, will you, you will, you're not going to kill me if I tell you, you know, something like that." So I was confused because that sort of went over my head because we were never specifically told that he knew who Agent Liberty was. But I think the insinuation of that scene was that the uh, fake Agent Liberty was going to tell him. So yeah, it's it's something that if you glossed over it uh, like I did, <laughs> I guess uh, you would miss it. At Jesso. 13 said great episode one of my favorites of the season except i missed lena love the phone glasses visual and the new dust weapon can't wait for the crossover and also how they deal with president baker aren't clandestine government workers a thing find another way to raise polls besides outing supergirl <laughs> yeah seriously i mean it, it's kind of like it's kind of like if you have like a an agent in the field who is like deep undercover and you're just like, what if you just told them that you work for the government? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get the poll numbers up though. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's, I can understand. Like he's very concerned. They just had an issue with president Marsden. He's, he's, taken over it's a lot going on there's a lot of unrest he's <laughs> got to worry about what the people are saying so i can i can kind of understand it he's got a lot of balls in the air right now and <laughs> <laughs> so much is going on um at isaiah stevens best episode of the season the stuff between agent liberty and manchester was the most interesting to me both were good men who let their pain lead them down dark paths they are both already better than any of supergirl's previous villains um 
excuse me, <laughs> not not in a world where uh, Lillian Luther exists. That is uh, an objection that I would have as well. <laughs> uh, at SL Fricky said, doesn't everything Brainy does threaten the space time continuum? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. His existence in the present time threatens the space time continuum. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, at E1 Mayara says, a question I have always wondered. Does the DEO actually pay Supergirl? Is there an employment contract? They always refer to her as an employee, but isn't she really a volunteer? That's a good question. Uh, maybe she's more like a like a contract worker. <laughs> no, maybe. I mean. She's freelance. Uh, do you think that the DEO gives her, like, benefits? Like, do you think she's got, like, a really banging dental plan? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would assume that her benefits come from CatCo, so maybe she's just in it for the money over at the DEO. I don't, or maybe they give her some other perks uh, f- from working for the government. But yet, uh, I think this is a question for Pam from HR. Maybe she's just got like a really great pension. That's why she's like, listen, I'm just I'm doing my time here. Retirement's <laughs> just around the corner. <laughs> but that's a really good question. I don't think the show has ever addressed it. And it's something I think we've been wondering before about is she actually working there? Does she, uh, you know, what what is, what is Supergirl's responsibility and how she answers to them? There's a lot of questions behind that. Yeah, I, I have I have a lot of questions that uh, you know Pam from HR could <laughs> she could answer all. That, of- if we just got that Pam from HR episode, we've all been begging for. <laughs> we would know the answers. We need her story. <laughs> Uh, at Danshin underscore Panda said, I'm glad Lockwood is going to jail, though it seemed anticlimactic. Also, Kara works with the DEO, not for the DEO, so she can't get fired. Who are the people to stop her if she wants to help out? She's protected by the Good Samaritan Act. See, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think it all depends on if she gets a paycheck. Yeah, I think so, too. And this, again, I, I hate to go back to Pam from HR, but <laughs> if we knew more about Pam, we would know the answers to these questions. She could solve all of these uh, problems that we have. Uh, at Mark HBPWM said, I was surprised that they pushed to the climax of the Agent Liberty story so quickly, but now his wife and the mob are on board. Also, for the Elseworlds, for the Elseworlds tease, when another site connected uh, Earth-90 to the 1990 Flash series, it finally dawned on me, Earth-38 as in 1938. So far as Kara being fired goes, I've been wondering for most of this season what she actually needs them for anyway. That's an excellent point because Superman doesn't work for the DEO. Supergirl shouldn't have to. Um, and as far as the Earth 38, I think the 1938 thing is intentional and correct because that is the year that Superman made his debut into the comic book scene and he became the world's first comic book superhero. So that is a nice homage to him. And the Earth 90 is... Uh, I do agree that it's a reference to the 1990 Flash TV series, but I do have a lot of questions about Earth-90 because I thought we were only told that uh, we had 52 or 53 Earths in the multiverse uh, because Earth-X was the 53rd Earth. So now we have 90 of them? I think I think we're going to find out next week sometime on Elseworld. All answers will be revealed in the crossover. <laughs> uh, at VH451 said, hooray for Brainy and Nia. More please. Boo for President Tron. I mean President Baker. Uh, count me in as being done with Agent Liberty. I'm all for Red Daughter Kara. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, is she still uh, underground, like banging some rocks? I, so, I assume so. I mean, she's got a lot of work that to do. Wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at DJ Writer said, powerful episode setting up a great return in January. Yes, it was a good episode. Um, well, we also have an email from Sam who writes, quote, President Baker is a self-serving human being. The, quint- the quintessential definition of a politician. His request or demand for Supergirl to out her secret identity to the public is entirely motivated by his own political self-interest. Even so, I think he has a point. As a public figure who wields a great deal of power, his actions, however well-intentioned or righteous, create enemies. He has a target not only on his back, but the backs of the people he cares for. Yet he shows his true identity to the public and doesn't hide who he is. Kara's hypocrisy was even further highlighted in this episode when she told Nia that she could be confided in, yet Kara never confided in Nia or Lena about who she really is. Kara expects Nia to tell her she is an alien, yet does not uh, reciprocate. And Sam uh, concludes his email saying, Kara expects to be trusted, but does not trust others, unquote. So what do you think about that, Morgan? Do you think it is a little hypocritical that Kara's like, Tell me your story, Nia. Oh, you're an alien? That's cool. I'm totally not going to tell you that I am also an alien. Uh, what do you think about that? It is a little disingenuous. The car is sitting there. Nia is kind of telling her 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 big secret that she has. And Kara has essentially the same secret. And it's just kind of sitting there and not sharing. I think that's sort of become more of a problem as the Carolina stuff has chugged along so i guess i'm a little bit used to it um but it did feel a little bit like you know Kara should maybe trust in these people who are in her life i don't think that she necessarily needs to tell like every single person her secret identity but it does seem to make sense if like it's somebody that you interact with regularly and somebody who you trust why not tell them your secret identity yeah and especially because there is all this anti-alien stuff going on that's a big thing for Nia to tell somebody, especially if she doesn't think that Kara is an alien. Like, I, I think at this point, she just sees Kara as a human. She thinks Kara is human. So for Nia to put herself out there and say, hey, yeah, I'm an alien, that's a big thing for her. She doesn't know if Kara's, I mean, she knows that Kara's written pieces about, you know, good aliens and stuff. So maybe she does have that trust that Kara wouldn't turn her in or, or you know, be upset with her. But I, I think Kara maybe should honor that trust that Nia has given her. So I, I struggle with that a little bit with Kara. Kara should maybe, I, f- I feel like Nia should have found out Kara's secret in this episode. Me too. I kind of thought, oh, this is, as soon as she t- uh, was mentioned, t- talking about her own, you know, alien heritage, I was like, oh, this is going to be when she finds out about Kara. Nope. Not so much. Yeah, she could have said, well, you know, Nia, I'm from another planet, too. What a coincidence. (laughs) We are alike. (laughs) Um, We have an email from Abby who writes, when the president said the United States doesn't want a war with Supergirl, her response of trust you won't start one seemed very un-Supergirl-like to me. She's basically saying it would be their fault, not hers. Pretty sure it takes two to start a war, but I'm interested to see how this will play out and what side the characters will fall on. I thought that line of dialogue uh well even that interaction between the two of them between president baker and supergirl i thought that was very pointed that uh the united states would be in a war with supergirl maybe not the supergirl we know and love 
But there's another Supergirl in on Ooh, on the planet. She is punching so many <laughs> she rocks. She is so angry for some reason. <laughs> we don't know what she's doing, but she's training for something. And she she could possibly be at war with the United States. Uh, maybe not the Kara we know, but that other Kara, Red Daughter Kara, she might have beef with the United States. Uh, so I don't know. I took that as foreshadowing. Maybe it's not, but that's how I read that. Well, we have some questions from Gina who asks, quote, uh, doesn't the DEO already know who Kara is? I mean, she was parading around all of season two as Kara more than half the time. We did see her a lot at the <laughs> DEO in her, her Kara Danvers clothes. That's so true. Uh, and Gina goes on to say, is this a situation of yet another drop sort of storyline that the writers hope we'd forget? But how can we forget when a whole season showed her as Kara Danvers in the DEO? And I'd be shocked if they didn't also announce Kara was Alex's sister at some point, unquote. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, Danvers sister stuff that goes on at the DEO. So I, w- I would imagine that most people know that Supergirl and Alex have a special bond. Um, but uh, Eric Carrasco actually addressed this question. Uh, he's a writer on the show, and he tweeted out that there are people at the DEO who know, but uh, Kara's not on the books. So I guess that might be related to her employment at the DEO. That does make me think it would be hard to fire her from like an unofficial job. Yeah, if she's not on the books, is she really an employee? Fine, I'll take my zero dollars and go elsewhere. Another question for Pam from HR. Um, and Eric Carrasco goes on to say, and everyone at the DEO doesn't know because it's still a secret organization with different need-to-know classified information. So maybe if you're a top-level DEO, maybe you get that information that Kara is Supergirl. But maybe like a lower level, maybe like an Agent Jensen who just started, he's not going to know. But maybe if you if you work hard, you spend your time at the DEO, you 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 earn that, you know, time at the company, maybe eventually you know who Supergirl is. Uh but that that is uh, coming from Eric Crosco, one of the writers on Supergirl. So it does it does seem like uh, not everybody knows, but maybe some people do. We have uh, Daryl who wrote in to say that Nia's backstory raises a million questions that this week's episode just kind of breezes past. How long has she been on Earth? Was she born here? Where are her parents, family? We know her family is coming soon, but it's still a valid question. Uh, yeah, so this is the, this is the old Amade uh, question. <laughs> Amade, we are back to you. <laughs> These are great questions because Nia talks about her home planet, but she doesn't talk about her growing up on Earth or her time on Earth. Um, so yeah, was she born here? I don't know. Uh, so those are great questions. Well, Alex wrote in and asked, quote, if Supergirl was an employee of the U.S. government, why wasn't Superman, unquote? And we sort of briefly talked about that. And the only thing that I can think of as to why Superman didn't want to work with the DEO um, is, it, it's I think it's the Alex Danvers factor. The fact that Alex um, worked at the DEO, I think, is the reason that Kara wants to work at the DEO. Uh, just to spend that time with her sister and also to help out and, you know, uh, catch criminals. So I think if Superman had an Alex Danvers who worked at the DEO, maybe he'd work at the DEO too. Uh, Fanny wrote in saying, I want to talk about Supergirl's dismissal by President Baker, who I believe is working with the Children of Liberty. Maybe he was the one speaking with Ben when he was on the phone in his car. Or the person behind all this could be Lex Luthor and President Baker was 
bought or is being blackmailed by Lex. On another note, we keep seeing Mackenzie, the employee at Catco. Do you think she will be the next Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> she has appeared in several episodes. Uh, uh, Mackenzie, uh, I think we got a bad taste of her when we first met her because she was competing with Nia over a story. Uh, Mackenzie was the one who was like, I have connections. I can do all these. I can just get in there. (laughs) Yeah. So Mackenzie, I I feel like for me, at least, she and I did not get off on a good start. But I think I'm starting to warm up to Mackenzie. Maybe we'll get there. I don't know if she'll be Kelly level. Uh, She would have to do (laughs) one thing in order to be Kelly level. And that would not bode well for her. Ah, oh, poor Mackenzie. <laughs> yeah, poor R.I.P. Mackenzie. We're just uh, we're, we're pouring one out for her already. <laughs> yeah, we're just preparing for it to happen. Uh, but yeah, that is a good point that we're seeing more of Mackenzie, the employee at Catco. Uh, so, in terms of Fanny's questions uh, about Ben Lockwood and him talking uh, on the phone, I think when he's talking on the phone in his car, he's talking to a person named Thack which is uh, a name I'm not as familiar with. Uh, but I, th- I I tried to look it up in my Google Docs to see if I had notes on someone named Thack. But I, I think there was a reference to a child of liberty named Thack before in a previous episode. I don't think I noted it, but I think that's who he was talking on uh, to on the phone. And I just, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm a big President Baker defender. <laughs> I just think he's very misunderstood. I think he's just a guy who's jumped and he got pushed in this position. Uh, he wasn't maybe prepared to be president. And he's just really trying to do his best and keep everything under control. I know a lot of people think he's evil, but I just think he's in this really high pressure job. and He's trying to make it work. Uh, so I'm, I'm still going to give <laughs> President Baker a little benefit of the doubt until he, he crosses that line. If he is connected to Lex Luthor, uh, then I will question him. Uh, But he didn't seem to be on the side of the Children of Liberty because he was actively telling the DEO, if you need to go after them, go after them. So he wasn't protecting them, I don't think. So go easy on President Baker, people. That's all (laughs) I'm saying. Um, So we have an email from New Rachel who wrote in with a question about Brainy asking, uh, quote, since Supergirl was fired from the DEO, the only alien left working there is Brainy. Is his identity known to Colonel Haley? Did Alex officially hire him? And if so, did he hide who he was when applying to work there? Will he also be fired if he refuses to admit who he is, as that could also affect the timeline, unquote? Great questions. Um, They do refer to Brainy as Agent Docs. So to me, that makes him seem more human uh, because they're not using his, his, uh, his, I guess, more alien Brainiac 5 name as Quarrel Docs. They just refer to him a lot of the time as Agent Docs or Brainy. Um, so I think that lends itself to more people thinking he's human. Uh, he's been uh, in the DEO a couple of times where he wasn't uh, using the image inducer, but I think a lot of that was in private settings in the DEO. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if a lot of people know that he is an alien. Um, so I think that's a really uh, great question. And I would assume that the DEO, I don't know how you feel about this, Morgan, but I feel like the DEO should be paying him. Yeah, I mean, he's he's doing some work. So I feel like he should definitely be pulling down a paycheck. Although, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, the um, the agent who flipped and went with the Children of Liberty did seem to know that Brainy was an alien because he stared at him for like about an hour and glared. That's true. Uh, that one time when he decided to like 
let out Mercy and Otis, R.I.P. Never forget. Oh, uh, what what a waste! What a waste! Uh, <laughs> um, but so it does seem like at least some people know that Brainy is an alien. That is a good point, and I guess the the main question there: Does Colonel Haley know? That's 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 the big one. Uh, Emily sent us a question asking, is there going to be something that can hurt and or entrap Supergirl every week for a being whose only weakness is kryptonite? It's getting out of hand now. I'm sure it's hard to make fights that aren't simply one sided when you have a super involved, but it's starting to come off as lazy writing. I like that they're coming up with new things to uh, bring her down that she has to fight and, and overcome. I like the the moon dust. That was really clever. And I, the the effect of it messing with her eyes like she had been pepper sprayed was pretty cool. Um, and I did like the the idea that she had gotten uh, drenched with the nth metal, like it's like liquid nth metal. And she it, it's one of the sh- strongest things in the universe, uh, the strongest metal, I guess, in the universe. And she had to really fight to fly out of there. I thought that was really cool. It showed a lot about her how powerful her flight is. So that's stuff I really like. Um, they haven't used magic on the show yet as something that can harm Supergirl. And that is one of the things that affect Kryptonians. It's a big one if they're affected by magic. And I would love to see Supergirl have to go up against uh, a magical being. And it's unfortunate because last season they had Kryptonian witches on the show. I know. That would have been a perfect time for it, but uh, we didn't see it. Kryptonian witches does seem like a good time to bring in magic. I mean, I'm just spitballing there. <laughs> I mean, that just seems a little bit too perfect. Um, well, Jeremy sent us an email writing, quote, Supergirl has an amazing cast of characters I deeply care about. However, I continue to be frustrated by the rough edges, plot holes, and clunky interpolations. Not to mention how certain characters are sorely underused. So my question to you is, what insights can you offer fans into how these shows are actually made? Are my frustrations with the show and with CW shows in general a result of budget restrictions, network mandates, or guidelines that I may not be aware of? I have profound respect for all the hard work put into the show by all involved, but at the same time, how can an entire team of writers not be able to bring it together in a more satisfying way? Or perhaps the problem is my expectations, unquote. Uh, so, Jeremy, great questions. Um, Morgan, I just want to pitch it to you. Uh, what, do you what do you know about the, uh, the way TV shows are, are brought to life? There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen when it comes to television shows. <laughs> you, uh, uh, you have the network. You have the showrunners. You have, uh, obviously, individual writers who are writing episodes. Um, so from what I understand, it, the showrunners tend to pitch the idea of the season to the network sort of just telling them, like, this is what we're planning to do. Uh, And then they sort of sketch out a a draft, I would assume, of what the season is going to be. They come up with their arcs and their overall story things. Um, The writers, individual writers of the episodes will generally get a breakdown from the writer's room. So everybody will sit in the room and figure out this is what the episode is going to be and these are the beats. And then the writers will get that that episode sometimes i i think mostly they probably don't get to pick you know they might just be told oh you're writing episode nine and like whatever happens in episode nine is what they get to write and then they write the the actual episode but it's not like um like a any individual writer on the show is like i hate brainy so he's always going to fall on his face in my episode like uh, the, it's not like they uh, an, an individual episode can uh writer can be like i think 
Kara should tell Lena the truth. So I'm just going to slip that in there. Uh, uh, it's a really collaborative process. And obviously, uh, I, I, th- I think it goes without saying um, that budget comes into play. We joke about that a lot on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast because their budget uh, appears to be like maybe one shoestring and a pack of gum. Uh, so, so a lot of times you'll see like, you know, a character on legends like won't put on his very expensive looking like shrink suit, uh, even though it would make sense to do so. And I think that's probably why, you know, sometimes we don't see John doing his like psychic stuff because you know, that's that whooshy effect probably <laughs> costs money. Sometimes we don't see uh, Kara doing, you know, a lot of super stuff because that kind of stuff costs a, cost the dollar bills. <laughs> they, they might splurge occasionally with a, with a dragon, uh, <laughs> you know, or something exactly. big like that, but not in every episode. They they won't go that big. And I think we we also I, I I don't know if we joke on this one, but we sometimes joke on Legends that like when you see something huge in one episode, I I, I often will joke that the next episode is going to be a bottle episode where they just <laughs> yeah. spend it in one location. Like, oh no, we're trapped in Catco because of that dragon last week. <laughs> we spent too much money, and now we're paying for it. Yeah. Uh, I do think that budget restrictions do come to play, especially with these shows that are so heavy on CGI and effects um, that that can really um, may it can force you to get creative, I guess. Um, and the only thing uh, else that I would add to what you said, Morgan, because I think I think you uh, articulated what I mostly know about uh, TV and how it's created. The showrunners, uh, from my understanding, do kind of have the the general storyline plotted out for the season, and then uh, all the writers in the room break the episodes together, and then they go and write the episode scripts uh, separately or with their teams. Sometimes they're paired up. A lot of times on Supergirl, they will have a pair that write the episode together. Um, and from what I know, the only other thing that I would add is that I think the scripts go through rounds. Uh, a couple of different rounds, they will send it to the network. The network will uh, give notes or uh, talk about what they think. Uh, Sometimes the network notes will uh, change something about how an episode is created. Maybe they'll change uh, a scene based on something the network says or a bit of dialogue, whatever it is. Um, But I think the network script i think is the final like production script maybe it's one of the last things i think that gets done is the the network part of it so the network does know what's what's coming in uh into when when the episode gets created and of course when you get on set things can get a little more uh you can maybe improv a little bit or the director might have more input and uh, try things outside of the script. Um, but uh, these episodes, uh, generally for TV episodes, they shoot them in like one episode gets shot in eight days. So it is a very fast um, timeline. Uh, it's not as fast as a soap opera. Soap operas shoot uh, 100 pages in a day. Oh, oh my God. That is a lot. They uh, Soap operas do like one take and you're done. You don't, you don't get to try it again, which I guess accounts for some of the bad acting sometimes. But that's how you know you have a good actor on a soap is when they nail it on the first, type, the first take. Um, so soap operas go much faster. But uh, these kinds of TV shows like Supergirl, it's usually about eight to maybe 10 days. 
Uh, but I, the number I've heard is usually eight. So they are pretty quick in how they, they move to get these things done. And then after that, when they, you know, get it cut up and it's ready to go for air, then there's more that happens on the other side of that in post-production. Sometimes they have to uh, format the episodes for, for different things. Um, so there, there's a lot that goes into making an episode of television. Uh, I forget, one time I interviewed Mark Goldman, who is like one of my editing heroes. He he won an Emmy for uh, editing in Lost. Um, great, great editor. Um, so he uh, he was trying to tell me uh, that whole process. It takes months just to make one episode. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. So some things, I guess, could slip through the cracks. Um, sometimes you have to just give them a little grace. They're doing <laughs> they're doing the best they can. Um, so it's uh, it's it's a tough thing, TV. But um, I don't know, Supergirl. For for all the the problems I have with it, I think they do a pretty good job of delivering an episode every week. Considering it's a show on the CW, and they probably have a a very li- limited budget. I mean, I think it looks great every week. It's very cinematic. The story is usually pretty good and the fight sequences are always awesome. Yeah. I'm always really surprised by how the, the sequences, the fight sequences and the, the effects usually look pretty good. I mean, spike the dragon, uh, in this season looked <laughs> great. So, uh, that is something that would be really difficult to pull off, but they, they, they've been doing a good job with it. Uh, Cameron sent us an email saying the differing headlines from Catco and the Inquisitor were interesting. Catco's was pundit revealed as terrorist agent Liberty, while the Inquisitor's was human rights activist imprisoned. I have a hard time believing anything with the name Inquisitor in its title, but I do feel like Catco wasn't unbiased either. Yeah, I mean, I feel like human rights activist is a is an interesting way to say terrorist uh (laughs) it's definitely like a different flavor for what uh agent liberty is um but yeah i mean yeah no i don't think that catco is unbiased certainly yeah no catco has a bias uh as does probably the metropolis inquisitor um the thing to know about the metropolis inquisitor is it is usually a tabloid it, it was known on Smallville as a tabloid. So uh, if that helps you understand uh, the Metropolis Inquisitor headline and, and their um, it's seeming, seeming support of Agent Liberty, uh, that could uh, help um, form a thought about the, the uh, Metropolis Inquisitor, that it might not be the most uh, accurate and objective source of information, they probably have their their own bias, as does Catco. So it is a it is an interesting way to um, compare their different takes and how they see what's going on. Um, and I also did uh, pay attention to the headlines on James's wall o monitors. Uh, there there was a lower third that said protests at Catco Worldwide Media. There was another one that said spontaneous demonstrations in downtown National City. And another one that said rally in anti-Catco marches. So these are like anti-Catco. Like people are not happy with Catco. So uh, I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to affect uh, Catco Worldwide Media in the future. How are they going to respond to it? Because I do think that there is a little bit of, and we've talked about it before, there is a little responsibility they need to take for all this Agent Liberty stuff. <laughs> because James was presented with uh, Ben Lockwood's story, he came to Catco to talk to him about it to say, hey, please do a story on me and the problems that people I know are having. And James said, no, thanks. We're fine. Although I, 
I feel I feel strange defending uh, James, m- my boy. <laughs> uh, but I will say, I mean, as when you work in journalism, you get about a million emails and like phone calls and people who want who are just aggressively pitching whatever story it is that they are. Uh, wanting you to cover so there is you do have to use some like editorial discretion and I think what James was trying to say in that episode though not nicely or um, you know uh, with any amount of time or effort was that that he felt that Catco had already covered some of those on the ground stories of of the fallout from these alien invasions Uh, so it is kind of like you know somebody just comes into your office is like write a newspaper article about me. Things have been bad in my life. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I, I feel for you. I feel for you, bro. But like, we've already written some articles about like, you know, people whose houses have burned down because of, uh, because of a uh, Martian manhunter. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, well, I guess, I guess it's to terrorism. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not a linear line. I, I feel like just to defend James, I, he has definitely dropped many a ball this season uh, and made some really deeply questionable decisions. <laughs> but I do, I do feel like, um, I don't think that like an article in a newspaper would have stopped Ben Lockwood from like going full, you know, man in the iron mask, uh, crazy um but i I do think that um maybe being heard by somebody and like maybe if james had given like an extra two minutes to that discussion instead of like literally walking out and leaving a stranger who was ranting in his office all by himself seems like a bit i mean catco has some real security issues i just think james could have done a little digging Maybe he heard Ben Lockwood out and then he investigated what he was saying to see if there was anything there. I just think if Ben Lockwood's going to come all the way to Catco and come to his office, you know, just do a little digging, do, you know, do a, do a little follow up. I will agree that, like, presumably he had an appointment with James. So it's not like he just sort of wandered in off the street and it was like, let me tell you my story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he had uh, clearly set up something with, like, <laughs> an assistant and like had some scheduled time and James literally like walked in was like uh no we've done that goodbye and walked right out like I would also be really angry if I had like scheduled a meeting that ended up lasting for one minute (laughs) like hey I I took the train here do you validate (laughs) these are reasons that I have issues with CatCo but I would be curious to know why other people in this universe on the show (laughs) why do they have issues with CatCo they're like why do you keep scheduling meetings with all of us and then leaving (laughs) (laughs) maybe we find out that James does this all the time like he just has people come into his office to turn away and like walk out I wouldn't be surprised like if I was James I'm not sure that I would leave somebody who's angry w- with me so close to my home <laughs> unlocked, you know? He's so worried about it. And could have just rolled right under that desk. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be protective of your home. Uh, well, our final email comes from Alanis, who writes, quote, Hi, Supergirl Radio. My name is Alanis, and I'm from Panama. I wanted to write and say how much I love your podcast. I've been listening for a long time, and I think you're amazing. I 
from Panama. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you for letting us know where you are and uh, where you listen. That's very cool for us to know. Um, and Alanis goes on to say, Bunker Hill is the best episode of the whole season, and it has become my favorite. Of course, I miss Lena, and I hope she is okay, because the last time we saw her, she literally just killed a person. Yeah, that, that <laughs> would be uh, concerning. Uh, Alanis goes on to say, so I was worried for Lena and uh, was hoping we would see her. Uh, and she says, uh, Alanis goes on to say, uh, Nia and Brainy were hilarious, and my favorite part of uh and my favorite part and one of the best scenes was Kara flying out of the Lockwood building, unquote. I agree. That was a great moment for Supergirl. And uh, yeah, so Bunker Hill, I, I agree. It was a very good episode, a great way to end the first half of this season. Well, and we have a voicemail from Mauricio. Hey, Supergirl Radio, Mauricio here. I hope we're done with the Ben Lockwood arc with uh, Agent Liberty. I know he might come back, but I really hope we're done it for now. So I only have two questions. One, does no one care about aliens being a murderer? Because the president's like, oh, yeah, they're just objects. I'm like, he's still a killer. And two, when do you think you guys are going to see Ben Agent Liberty back, like towards the end of the season? Because, like, I think we're going to read our kryptonite son, Kara, at the end of this. Anyway, thanks. Last question. Do the writers forget what they're saying sometimes? Because last week in my voice message, I said, James was like, I won't care about my reputation, Tom. I will sacrifice it. And then at the end of this episode, it's like, I care about my reputation, Kara. I'm like, do you guys forget what you guys write for your characters? Just want to know your opinion. Thanks and take care. He has a couple of questions that maybe we can hit really quickly. Uh, he, he asks, um, uh, does anyone care that aliens have been murdered? Uh, President Baker seemed kind of flippant about it. Uh, there's not a lot of... Um, a conversation about that um i i don't know i think i think they're just at this point president baker to me how i'm reading him is he's just he's just trying to handle the problem in front of him uh so i i think he probably does care about aliens who have been murdered uh i think everyone on the show does it's a, it's a big issue that's come up but i i think for president baker if we were just going to talk about him i think he's just he's just trying to put out some fires, get those fires put out wherever he can. Uh, and he asks, uh, when do we think we'll see Agent Liberty again? Uh, when do you think uh, he, he's going to pop back up, Morgan? I would honestly assume it's going to be right after the break. Uh, I think, you know, obviously we're in Elseworlds next uh, next week. But I think when we get back from the break, I don't see how you jump into a different storyline like right away, especially with the um, I would have said without the last little bit of the episode with all the protests, I would have said, okay, well, I guess that's that with agent Liberty. Um, but the protests make me think that the agent Liberty storyline isn't over. So I think that we'll see agent Liberty probably right away. Uh, probably first episode back when we get back from the break. Yeah. I don't think the children of Liberty are going away anytime soon. They seem to be maybe even gathering more momentum. So I think we'll, we'll, I think you're right. I think we'll probably see agent Liberty, uh, right when we pick back up uh, after the break. And Mauricio's last question says, in last week's episode, James didn't care about his reputation, and in this week's episode, he seemed to care a lot about it when he saw people protesting <laughs> outside of CatCo. Uh, that's an excellent point. Maybe he doesn't care about his own personal reputation, but he's like, listen, Cat Grant gave me this magazine, and she gave me... This uh, media company, I'm sorry, uh, whatever it does. <laughs> and she she gave me this beautiful desk to live under. And, like, uh, I'm just trying to protect 
Catco. Maybe it's maybe he's more concerned about Catco's reputation than his own. That could be it. I could see that. So before we wrap up our feedback, we have some snap judgments uh, sent in by our listeners. Are you ready? I'm always ready for snap judgments. Let's do it. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. At Enrique uh, VB Jr. asks, which character would you like to see on Earth 38? Laurel Lance, Black Canary on Supergirl, or Earth 1 Lena Luthor with psychic powers on Legends or The Flash? Well, I know your answer. I don't have to think about it. I have been wanting Laurel Lance, Black Canary on Supergirl for a long time and i would love to see that so make it happen people that's that's what i would say i think laura lance would be so fun on supergirl but like lena luther with psychic powers on legends of tomorrow i don't think that my <laughs> personally i think my heart would explode if lena luther and sarah uh shared the same screen like i don't know that i could physically take that much coolness uh it might kill me so i'm gonna go laurel lance on supergirl <laughs> <laughs> just just to save yourself i just have to save myself <laughs> um no and i i do think that like a black canary on Supergirl would be so cool. So awesome. I mean, well, they're not really doing much with her on Arrow anyway. Just send she her a visit. She's got time. I mean, it's just it's just send her over to, to Earth 38. I mean, and, and maybe make make her a series regular for all time. <laughs> um, okay. Earth 38 version of the League of Assassins with Damian Wayne. Or Earth One version of the DEO. Uh, so the League of Assassins we've seen on Arrow, but that's not Earth Thirty Eight. Because I was about to say if if we were talking the League of Assassins that we've seen with Nissa Al Ghul, that was totally going to be my answer because I love Nissa Al Ghul. Oh yeah, but I don't know what the the Earth Thirty Eight version of the League of Assassins is like. I don't have the frame of reference for these ones, so. This is a tough one. I'm not crazy about Damian Wayne as a character. Damian Wayne is one of the Robins in the DC universe. He is the child of Bruce Wayne and Talia Al Ghul. Oh, Damian! Yeah, he's a yeah, yeah. I've I've read some stuff with him in it. Maybe he's gotten better, but I just he's the, the things that I've seen and read of him. He's very conceited, and j- he's Talia's son. And I just do not like. Talia Al Ghul. Just go away, Talia Al Ghul. Nobody needs you. Nissa is clearly the, the better Al Ghul of the family. <laughs> I just, I think it's because I like Bruce and Selena together so much that I just don't, oh, yeah. just get out of there, Talia. You're you're no good for anyone. You're not wanted. <laughs> you're not wanted here. Uh, so I think that part of my uh, issue with Damien stems from my dislike of Talia. Uh, so I'm going to go Earth One version of the DEO. Yeah, I'm going to go the same answer um okay from fanny which one of Kara's tricks did you prefer Kara faking a sneeze at l corp and using her freeze breath to knock down mercy's people or Kara flicking her finger to knock down the child of liberty i like the flicking of her finger yes i um i like the fake sneeze i thought that was really funny <laughs> from emily um, better Kara being super gag in this week's episode, lifting the couch in Manchester's apartment or catching Nia's three cups of coffee. I liked Kara catching Nia's three cups of coffee. 
I didn't expect it. And so it made me laugh a little bit. Yeah, the three cups of coffee made me also laugh. And and she did it so smoothly. I like the mundane use of her powers like that. Um, just the, the, the thing, the, the fact that it would take super speed for her to go and catch those cups of coffee um, and that she would do it and, and, and do it so quickly. So I, I would say the, the cups of coffee. And it reminded me of when she used to use her heat vision to heat up Cat's cup of coffee in the morning. That, that must be nice to, to be able to reheat things. When you need to. Okay. So um, so Abby has a couple of uh, snap judgments for us. So sharing a prison cell with pair one, Manchester or Lockwood? Manchester. Yeah, I'm going to go Manchester. He's got like that great accent. And like I could talk to him about British TV shows. And I feel like <laughs> he would not want to, but he would know what I was talking about. Like I could be like, did you see the newest season of Luther? And he'd be like, stop talking to me about Downton Abbey and I'd be like no <laughs> uh, so it might be a it, maybe Manchester doesn't want me but <laughs> that would be my that would be my selection okay sharing a prison cell with Lex or Lillian I think Abby's trying to tell us maybe we're supposed to go to prison I think we're going to prison in a lot of these scenarios <laughs> Abby geez um but if I was going to share a prison cell it would 100% be Lillian oh like Lillian, one hundred percent. Like she could teach me chess, and like we could we could just come up with evil schemes together. <laughs> That'd be so fun. I mean, if you're in prison already, you might as well talk about evil schemes while you're I there. Mean, exactly. I mean, just like uh, just steer into the skid. It's already too late <laughs> for you, right? So, um, okay. Kara almost revealing her powers to Nia or Lena. I think in this. <sighs> I guess I'll go Lena because I, I can't think of her almost. I mean, I guess she's she's kind of been doing some super things in front of Nia, but not as much, I don't think. Yeah, I'll go with Lena, too, because that whole episode where they're trapped in um, Elcor was so funny, um, especially as she kept on kept being like trying to like break away. And come up with excuses. And Lena was like just shutting them all down like very reasonably. <laughs> like, no, of course we were not going to split up. That's crazy. Uh, so I would watch I would watch like a whole another episode of that because it was so funny. Uh, okay. Nia drinking cups of coffee slash energy drinks or Lena drinking glasses of scotch slash wine. Uh, I like Nia drinking cups of coffee and energy drinks because uh, it's reflective of her powers. And it, it sort of makes me chuckle that... She's trying to avoid seeing these nightmarish things but and is uh, having to find a way to keep herself awake. So I, I enjoy that as a as a character thing for her a lot more. Yeah, I'm going to go with Nia and her coffee energy drinks because I think we've established that, like, Drunk Lena makes a lot of choices that, like, are not the greatest choices and like that's how you end up in a, a jail cell with Lily and you go out with drunk Lena so <laughs> yeah. she is a bad decision drunk she really is um okay <laughs> from Danae which dreaming power would you rather have dreaming past events so you can solve past crimes or dreaming the future so you can stop future crimes I think I would want to dream the future. Interesting. So I'm going to be honest. I'm not a, I'm not what you would call a doer, but I am <laughs> very, very nosy. Like I need to know <laughs> who killed Jean Benet and I could know if I could dream about past crimes. So I'm doing past crimes all the way. I want to know who the Zodiac killer is. That is a good point. <laughs> you could solve the Kennedy assassination. Although I, I've watched a lot of 
Kennedy documentaries. So I think it's already been solved. I think it was a secret. I think it was a, a Secret Service agent uh, who accidentally fired a shot. There's a documentary. There's a whole ballistics thing. Um, here's my tinfoil foil hat. I'm wearing it for the conspiracies on who shot JFK. Uh, but. Uh, you could solve that kind of stuff. Now, that's a good point that you could do some cool things and learn about history that way. But I guess I would rather um, be able to, to to prevent crime. I feel like you picked the kind, generous option, like the, the thing that the option that would do better for the world, where I picked the option that would just like feed my true crime obsession. <laughs> and it's like actually not really useful in any way. I'd be like, guys, guys, do you want to know who Jack the Ripper was? And I'd be like, I don't care. <laughs> it's not as altruistic. No, it certainly isn't. But I would have such great stories at parties like no everyone would talk to me (laughs) that is a good point um oh my god that was such a good one um okay who do you think will find out supergirl's identity sooner nia or lena Uh, nia i think nia definitely like nia they they have that like superpower bond now so i think it's only a matter of time could nia dream about supergirl's secret identity Ooh, yeah that's a really good point Okay, so we have a couple of snap judgments from Gina. Um, best background character we want more of, Nia's roommate or Pam from HR? I think Pam from HR uh, is the character who we 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 need more of because we need questions answered about the employment at the DEO. Payroll. Payroll, what's going on? Uh, is Supergirl just working there or is she just kind of freelancing? Like what what's happening there? Uh, so I think Pam from HR is the one we need more of. But if we're talking the one we want more of. The one who's got presence. And <laughs> I really liked Nia's roommate. Uh, she sassed Nia a couple of times, but she also cared about Nia. She was like, you know what? You're a weird sleeper, but I think you need some sleep because it's better for you health-wise, and I'll let you sleep a little bit. So she did care about her. Uh, so I, um, I did like that roommate. Yeah, that roommate was awesome. I have to go Pam from HR because, uh, you know, Pam and I, Pam, Pam and we go way back. We and do we go just, way back. We just... We just want to know more about. We just want to know more about you, Pam. We just we got that one little tease. She made an appearance, and then we haven't seen her since. Not enough. <laughs> Come back, Pam. <laughs> um, okay, better apartment, Kara's or Nia's? Well, I'm gonna have to go Kara's because Kara doesn't have a roommate. She's just like living on her own, living her best life in that loft. <laughs> so, uh, Nia did have a cool apartment. She had like a little dream catcher up there, which I thought was a nice touch. But I I love Kara's apartment. It's it's very cozy. There's a, a, a great couch there that could be used for classic film watching. Uh, she has big windows. She has that uh, the window that she can fly in and out of, and it just seems like a cool place. You know, that's a lot. It's it's often the place where people gather for Thanksgiving or Christmas or you know big holidays. So I would say Kara's apartment last. Snap judgment. Best conflict of the episode. Agent Liberty versus Manchester Black or Supergirl versus Nth Metal. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say, even though I did like Supergirl flying her way out of the Nth Metal, I'm going to say Agent Liberty versus Manchester Black. Yeah, Supergirl picking up the whole building as she, like, got out of the Nth Metal. I don't feel like that's how buildings work. So I'm going to go Agent (laughs) Liberty versus Manchester Black. 
Yeah, it reminded me in the the Justice League movie, uh, which still makes me uh, upset to this day. I'm going to try not to talk about it very much. <laughs> let it go. Just like take a deep breath in, <sighs> let out those negative feelings. <laughs> I get I get a little emotional, you guys. Um, but in that movie, Superman uh, holds a building and the, the, the physics of that, I'm not sure. I'm not a smart person, so I don't know exactly how that would happen where he would he would like hold it in the middle and it wouldn't break and fall apart. Um, I don't know. So it did remind me of that. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point. No judgments on your snap judgments. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on Bunker Hill. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. We are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And you can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, on Spotify, and now Radio Public. That's a new destination for the the podcast. We are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And if you're like Rebecca, that is too much information. I can't deal with all of that. Uh, Don't worry about it. You can just go to supergirlradio.com and you can find all the links to those locations and uh, those platforms on the right side of the page. Uh, Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans... Batwoman and classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to DC TV Podcast on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. And just as a reminder, uh, we have a challenge slash competition about the DC TV plugs slash help me slash <laughs> help for Morgan, a, a reprieve of uh, a, a way to uh, let Morgan just have a little bit of a break. Just like a little bit of a breather. She has been working real hard with these DC TV plugs for years, people, years uh, so uh, if you would like to help Morgan out uh, by doing our plugs, recording our, our plugs and sending it back to us, uh, we uh, will put you in a little uh, competition to win something from the T Public Store. So if, if you would like to participate, uh, record our, our plugs and send it to supergirlradio at gmail.com. Uh, so uh, the the Flash podcast and I think also Titans podcast is really revving up the competition with us about our plugs. They seem to think that they could do the plugs better. So we just want to show them that our listeners are up for the challenge. Uh, so if you would like to do that and uh, answer that call for the DCTV plugs, uh, please uh, uh, record something and send it into supergirlradio at gmail.com. Uh, we also have uh, the uh, Tee Public store that we mentioned. Uh, so you can go to supergirlradio.com and find the Tee Public link at the top of the page. And just as a reminder, the big Elseworlds crossover is coming up. And because of that, the DCTV Podcast Network is getting together to discuss it. That is happening on December 12th at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to Mixler.com slash DCTV podcast to join the chat, or you can download the Mixler uh, M-I-X-L-R if you're trying to search for it. Uh, you can download the smartphone app. Uh, the app is a really great, great way to get notified when they go live, and you can also, I think, get in the chat from the app as well. So make sure you're there because those are always a lot of fun. 
Although that's a little hypocritical of me to say because I am not actually <laughs> going to say, make sure you're there, Rebecca. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I cannot be present because I will be boarding a flight that night. You have a pretty good reason not to be there. It's a, it's a good reason, but I will miss being there. But uh, there could be a chance that maybe I will send a little Supergirl radio uh, uh, that way. Um, so maybe uh, maybe there'll be some snap judgments that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, didn't, you didn't hear that from uh, me. Uh-oh. Uh, so, so maybe uh, my presence will <laughs> still be felt even if I'm not there. But Morgan will be there. And uh, really, you should just show up for Morgan anyway because really – uh, Morgan is the reason to show up for anything. So uh, <laughs> that is absolutely too kind. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, definitely uh, check it out on December 12th at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, because that's that's always a really good time when everybody gets together. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid and you can find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. Uh, I voice a character named Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. I just recorded uh, uh, an episode of the show. Some fresh fakest is coming your way. Uh, If I can give a little teaser, it's kind of tough because there's some stuff that I recorded that I don't want to spoil um, because I I had to... um, uh, reach outside of myself as an actress and really, <laughs> really push myself to do something different. Uh, but uh, so that was fun. Uh, but it's a really clever a take on uh, it. We get we get a little Dickensian, I guess you could say, uh, for Christmas. Uh, maybe that's all I'll tease. Uh, but it's a really, really funny episode. Very well written. Um, and if you want to check me out on a JLU podcast, you can find that over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. I also recently recorded some stuff with Sam about Justice League. Uh, there's some really... Uh, just, I, I feel like my, my bitterness comes out a little bit in those episodes, <laughs> but we analyzed some things that were very, uh, very good. So uh, uh, there's some new JLU podcast stuff coming. So make sure you're subscribed to the Fakest and JLU podcast if you want to check those out. Um, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Uh, and you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. We have a... Uh, we have a break coming up pretty soon, and I, I, I think that we're planning on some cool stuff for the Legends hiatus to kind of keep you guys um, sane while you wait for Sarah Lance to return. Um, so check that out if you listen to the – if you watch the show, it's great. If you don't watch the show, I mean, why not just listen to the podcast instead? It's It's – the same <laughs> exactly it's exactly the same we have we have the same production values <laughs> <laughs> well i i get out of it uh, what i need to so even if i don't watch the show uh i do enjoy the podcast and i highly recommend it to anyone because it is a good time well that's going to do it for our episode on bunker hill but until next time i'm still rebecca johnson i'm still morgan glennon and like brainy and cara we would like to discuss o tour theory and the works of ed wood 